life is about making beautiful things and sometimes you just got to go out there and do it. It's what I wanted to tell to the world and from there I just kind of got hooked so just go out do it and find people who encourage you. Hello, welcome to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. I'm your host, Leah Lem. And I'm your other host, Cole Primo. Native Lights, this show you're listening to right now, is a place for Native folks to tell their story. Each week we have conversations with uh, amazing guests, including policymakers, uh, you know, language warriors, uh, storytellers, healers, the list goes on. We hear about their gifts, how they realize those gifts, and how they're now sharing them with the community. That, and of course, a lot more. And it's a really fun time. I love doing it. So uh, what's going on, Leah? I don't know. It's all going mm. on. <laughs> uh, making stuff happen. <laughs> <laughs> bugging people. <laughs> Talking to people. Hopefully not bugging people, but um, yeah, just really reaching out to people lately and expanding the circle, so to speak. Uh, I was recently on a panel for the 2021 Thunder Indigifest held by the Fond du Lac Tribal and Community College and American Indian Higher Education Higher Education Consortium. That's what I get for talking so fast. Mm-hmm. And the festival had a lot of familiar names and great topics about media production and becoming a media professional, just like us. And it was really cool because I met today's guest while on that panel, uh, came in Good Sky. Cayman is from the Boys Fort Band and is a filmmaker whose films usually explore Ojibwe teachings side by side with punk music. Um, So yeah, so I'm really excited for today's guest, another person who shares Native stories and is a media maker and entrepreneur, freelancer. So yeah, we were on a panel together talking about being a successful being successful freelance media makers, which I thought it was just an honor to be asked <laughs> to be on a panel called that, first of all. Uh, so it was fun talking with Cayman yeah. Goodsky and the moderator, Liz Jackala. Mm-hmm. Cayman had such great things to say. I wanted to extend our conversation over to Native Lights. So here nice. we are. Boozhoo! Hey, Boozhoo, Cayman! Boozhoo! How's it going? It's going good. How about you? Good, long time no see. Right, yeah. (laughs) I was just telling Cole Primo, who is my brother and co-host of Native Lights, about uh, the panel we did together. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty fun. Um, Buju, nice to meet you. (laughs) (laughs) Nice to meet you too. Well, I appreciate you taking time to talk with us on Native Lights. Yeah. Cole, take it away. Yeah. Could you start by please, you know, introducing yourself and where you're joining us from? Yeah, all right. So, Buju, my name is Cayman Gutsky. I'm from the Boys Fort Band of Chippewa from Minnesota. I live in Duluth, Minnesota, here with my family, and I'm I'm really excited to be here for this interview. So, thanks for having me. Nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, so, how are you you and your family doing uh, during the pandemic, you know, in Duluth? We're doing good. Um we're usually a big family, so it's been kind of hard because my a lot of our elders have health issues, so we've been having to stay away and like maintain social distance. So that hasn't been fun. Um, mm-hmm. So my grandpa has gotten pretty used to me just calling him and harassing him like through phone calls. <laughs> um, so that's been pretty. Uh, it's a new twist 
you know, and not being able to see family members. Yeah, that's so hard. I know. Thank goodness our dad is like really good at social media and texting. Oh, yeah. And stuff. <laughs> Too good. So Too good at it. <laughs> Too good sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, he's, he always notes when we, when we wake up in the morning because, you know, our Facebook, like if you check Facebook, you know, your little <laughs> indicator light will go to active and you'll be like, oh, just got up, huh? Hey, yeah. how's it going? <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's hard to stay away, Um, you know, especially our elders and, you know, the people we rely on most for everything, (laughs) knowledge and help and all of that good stuff. So uh, can you tell us a bit about what you do as a filmmaker? Yeah. So right now I produce my own uh, DIY, like very do-it-yourself videos. Most of my videos don't have sound because I feel like sometimes a lot of ways language can get in the way of like um, meaning and I prefer raw emotion um, for my actors. And I, I usually try to go for telling indigenous stories or having core indigenous values come through my um, videos, which comes as a little odd because it is contemporary. And I do try to go for that like very comic book um whimsical feel so it's it's a mesh of what I was raised with and then because I like supporting indigenous musicians I usually try to reach out to a couple of them to have them create original music and I pay them for their time and their efforts because it can be quite um you know it can take a lot to collaborate with someone that you don't really know well with so Mm-hmm. So are they essentially scoring your films? They are, yeah, and that's the exciting oh, part. Cool. Yeah, so it's a lot of back and forth of like, what do you think about this sound here, this sound there? You know, I think because you did this weird effect with the video, I might do this. You know, uh huh. Nice. That's great. So, what sort of musical artists do you work with? I work a lot with Jesse White, and he's an Ojibwe um, punk musician, and I just I love the sound of you know. His music, I, I'm honestly like a huge mm. fan. So he does um, very like quiet stuff. He does a lot of um, raw emotion in his singing. And that's generally what I try to go for. I have worked with um, Adam Skunch and they do mostly like quiet guitar riffs, things like that. Um, I respect that. I worked with Jake Vinio and he did very like distorted sounds bleeding in and out of each other. Which is good because for my first film, there's um, my character is having like kind of an anxiety attack. And finally, she just gets out of the car and I think she just bolts for the woods. And he did the, the sound to that so perfectly. Can you tell us a bit about that particular film? Yeah. The one with the anxiety attack? What's it called? And who's the character? And what does it sound like? Yeah. Um. So that was my first film. It's called It's Genetic Baby. And... It's about a young artist who's like struggling because she's just working these dead end jobs in like these greasy spoon cafes. And she wants to focus on her art, but she also has um, a lot of anxiety and a lot of like um, sugar addictions, you know, how we like a basic candy addiction. I do know, actually. Yeah, yeah, it's something I struggle with a lot too. You know, I, I love eating candy, but it's it's not the best for us, especially with worries about diabetes and Mm-hmm. So that comes into play because she she has a longtime partner who's sober and they have a conversation about what it means to have a family and start like raising children and the, you know, the, the genetic, you know, 
like strokes and diabetes and things like that. And so they have a conversation about that. And she's just very anxious about everything. And while that's happening, there's two other characters. And one of the older characters is actually played by Jonathan Thunder, who helped me, um, who just pushed me to do this film because I was interning for him. And so he steps in as an older mentor. Oh, cool. And he's like, I'm looking for an intern. What do I do? And this other character is like, well, you know, maybe go talk to this person because I think both of you could help each other out right now. And so it's just a couple of days within these strange characters and just how they interact and like the, you know, there's heavy stuff, but then it's, there's a lot of jokes and there's a lot of like, I love dance scenes. So I put dance scenes in most of my films. I feel like dancing and music is just a part of our lives as a people. So I just try to integrate that as much as I can. Mm -hmm. And then what did the soundtrack sound like for that film? Um, There's music done by both Jesse White and Jake Vigno. So it's like kind of loud, thrashy music, especially during the dance scenes. And then there's the uh, distorted sounds when there's something like very serious going on. Mm -hmm. And it ends on a very like gentle note, which I I appreciate. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you mentioned before that it's very contemporary, Mm -hmm. uh, but also you know, our values don't exist just in the past, right? So, like, I see those values still coming out. Um, You know, they're very contemporary values. That's pretty cool. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was curious, you mentioned, you know, a comic book, you know, uh, feel to it. I was just curious about your, you know, influences and comics and things like that and if, if, how they play a role in your films now. So um, my family is actually a huge, like just a massive amount of comic book nerds. It's undeniable. Um, And so when I was little, my father would take me to the comic book store and we would just spend hours just sifting through comics, seeing which ones we'd want to buy. Nice. But um, so we would have a lot of influences from, you know, Marvel. We're a huge Marvel family, but then... We like DC. There's Dark Horse. Um, there's this one comic that I really liked called Chew. And so that kind of just mm-hmm. went more into like, what if humans had abilities, but it's surrounded by food, you know? Um, and so since I just grew up with like reading comics and then, you know, when the MCU came out, just really watching comic book movies, that's kind of like the feel I wanted to go to. So. Mm-hmm. Nice. I was, uh, you know, doing my extensive uh, research for the interview by uh, googling your name, and um, yeah, <laughs> and, Google has and an saw, interesting. Um... <laughs> and I saw your in- Instagram, and I, it says that you're a you know a cosplay, uh, you know, participant. I was just curious about that because that that's you know I was curious if you had any memorable cosplays you've done or just how that how that fits in too. Yeah. So. Um... I do a lot of Loki cosplays because I go to a lot of Comic Cons and I've met Tom Hiddleston about four or five different times now. Oh, nice. Um, I've met Paul Bettany. I met Tom Holland. I've met um, some of the major actors. But my favorite, oh, I've met Lee Pace. Lee Pace, I cried. You have met Lee Pace? I did. I um, <laughs> Also from The Hobbit. Yes, Thank you. Yes, yes. And so <laughs> I met him and I was tempted to get in his face and be like, do not speak to me of dragon rage. But I was like, don't do that, don't do that. He probably hears that a lot. But um, 
I met him and then I cried and I was like, you're so phenomenal. And when he signed my picture, he said, Cayman, you're phenomenal. And it's one of my favorite photos. So, um, oh, yeah, I am fanning out right now. Yeah, it's I, I do like I travel. I go to a lot of Comic Cons, but um, my favorite cosplay is I made a homemade Godzilla atomic breath cosplay. And oh, I made no it. No way. I could, yeah, I could attach, um, de-attach the tail from my, like, because I made a trench coat type thing. And so when I had to go through security, you know, my tail is made out of wire so I can bend it any shape I want. I just mm-hmm. take off my tail and then, you know, it goes through the metal thing and I put it back on. But I saw Tom Hiddleston and my friend was cosplaying as one of his characters. And he's like, I love the cosplays. I love the costumes. And I'm like, great. And then security, like we took our photo and security was pushing us out. And I'm hopping away because I have these oversized slippers, basically, that look exactly like Godzilla's feet. And I'm hopping away because they're just so big to walk in. (laughs) And I look back and my friend is like, like just holding hands with Tom Hiddleston. And I'm like. That should be me. That should be Godzilla doing that. And she's like, come on now, you have to move. And I'm like, oh. So Godzilla is definitely one of my favorite um, cosplays to break out. I don't take it out um, because it is quite heavy to wear, but it is um, mostly just fabric and wire. But it's good. That's awesome. (laughs) Have you seen the the new uh, Godzilla versus Kong movie? Yeah, we saw it and we all kind of geeked out and had a big conversation about it. Um, My son tried to tell me that Godzilla, Mecha Godzilla was Minya, and I got we got into it, and then I was like, "Listen, you're just gonna have to have an education." So we have a bunch of Godzilla movies on our way from like eBay. Oh, that's great! <laughs> yeah, that's great. get Mothra going and all the the old ones. I like it. Right? Yeah. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today we're hearing from Cayman Goodsky, Boys Fort band member. We're talking about her work as a filmmaker. So, uh, Cayman, how did you start this work, and uh, you know what inspired you to get into filmmaking? Oh, uh, I was thinking about this actually as I was driving home today. Um, I really started making like short films during the MySpace days. I don't know if you remember those, but those uh, were days. Those those were days. I don't know if that dates, if that reveals how old I am, but uh, those were days. So I just started making short clips of my friends, and then in college, I was in this dorm apartment by myself um, because most of my roommates were off doing whatever. And I said, I have all this free time. I have a camera. I have, you know, I have this idea. I called two of my friends and I said, let's do it. Let's make something. We ended up making a fan music video. And then from there, I was like, okay, we did it. We could do it again. We just kept doing it. And um, I didn't really start, you know, making my own videos using, you know, things that I had permission to do basically um, until I was interning with Jonathan Thunder. And I think that was like 2016, 2017. And then from there, I've made about two or three short films a year, not including last year because we we took a break um, just because of COVID restrictions. But it did give me a year to start writing scripts and ideas. So, Can you talk a bit about your process from ideation to execution? Yeah. So um, I usually have a dream or like a... 
I don't want to say vision because I feel like that'll be taken out of context, but um, mm-hmm. just something come to me while I'm sitting and I'll write it and then I will obsess about it. <laughs> I'll obsess about it for a while. <laughs> and then it just kind of comes into, I spend an intense amount of period from start to finish on a project. So it's a lot of listening to different music, a lot of sketching out ideas, a lot of, um, you know, traveling. I, I feel like if I'm stuck in one place too long, my ideas get stagnated. So I have to go out and like seek out new adventures and usually something will spark there. So then from there, and then I talk to people that I think will like execute my ideas with me. And so we'll do that and then we'll meet. And then sometimes the idea will flow in a completely different direction and it turns into something much more grand than I, I never, you know, I couldn't have come up with on my own. Um, and then I'll talk to a musician and they'll be like, Hey, I have this muted <laughs> 10 minute video. Do you want to put some music to it? And I'll, uh, I'll pay you for your time. And then we have a video. I'm actually, I just got a grant to make a sequel to one of my recent films, Dream Wanderer. And so the last couple of days, it's been revisiting the places where we film to see, well, where can we go from here? What's going to happen? Um, it's been two years since we filmed it. Are the characters still the same? Are we going to, you know, it's a lot to process. Very cool. Yeah. Well, can you tell us a little bit about Dream Wanderer? Uh, I have it listed down here as, <laughs> as something to talk about. Yeah. Um, and can you tell us a little bit about it? And now you mentioned a sequel. Yep, there will be a sequel. And did you come up with anything I do. <laughs> as far as a sequel? Yeah, I do have some really good ideas. Um, I have a general direction. Um, next month, we'll actually be just focusing on like where to go from there. But Dream Wanderer is about this young Ojibwe woman who has the ability to hop into other people's dreams, but she doesn't always control it. One night she's out at a bar on the town and she sees um, a man with red eyes, which we commonly call demons. And she sub- subconsciously becomes attached to this um, demon and ends up in his dreams and finds out like why he is the way he is. And she gets stuck in his dreams. And they both have to figure out a way to, you know, get out with each other's help, even though they don't like each other. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a 10-minute short video. There's no talking. It's all music. Again, produced by Jesse White. And it's using three of my favorite people to, like, work with. So I'm very excited to come back and work with them again. I'm getting, I'm sorry, I'm getting all emotional because we had such a good time filming the first one that, like, to go back and, like, revisit this world and then also expand on it because there's a new character coming is super excited. I'm I'm very excited. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. And today we're hearing from Cayman Goodsky, Boys Fort band member and filmmaker. I was just curious, and maybe you already mentioned this before, but, you know, without having character dialogue, how do you portray the story um, you, you talked about music, but, you know, with your actors and what what methods do you use to portray that story without people talking? So our last film, Dream Wanderer, actually uses, we uh, took these huge white, like, poster boards and we wrote what they were saying on them and we made them appear in the background. Oh. 
So it looks, you know, they're speaking the lines, but it kind of, I wanted to do like a comic book bubble over them. Yeah. And so I don't want to give too much away for the sequel, but. Yeah, no spoilers. I think we'll be using less of those and more. This one's going to be more emotional because of what happens to these characters. So I think there'll be even less dialogue, but, you know, still more understanding of like what's happening. Because there are basic mm-hmm. things in life where you uh, you go through this thing and you just relate, I think. Mm-hmm. So we'll be using that. Mm. And it's interesting, too, because, well, at least with the first one, it sounds like it's dream-focused. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how often I talk when I dream. Just when I think of myself dreaming, yeah. I'm not sure I talk all that much. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you do or if that's just me, but... <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so the last dream that I had, it's so strange because I was like with what I was with my friend and we were in this like bookstore and nobody was wearing masks. And in my dream I felt like I was awake. So I was like, nobody's wearing masks. I'm not wearing a mask. We're in a crowded like bookstore. This is not okay. Mm-hmm. And my friend looked over at me, he's like, Oh, don't worry, it's just a dream. And I was like, Oh, it's just oh. okay. I was like, well, how do you know it's a dream? How do you have the ability to tell me? So I was like, whoa. It was kind of like a mind flip for me. So They were dream oh, hopping. Funny. Yeah. I, yeah. I think, well, Ojibwe people said that they have the ability, to, like some people do have the ability to dream hop. Huh? And so when I thought of that, I was like, whoa, such an interesting concept. I don't know what I would do if I woke up in someone else's dream. You know, I feel like I would just be like, sorry, Isla, you know, I don't know how I got here. I'll I'll try to leave, but you know. Where's the exit? Sorry, my bad. (laughs) Yeah, which is what kind of happens to the main character in Dream Wander. She's just like, I don't want to be here. How do I get out? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, that's cool. So, Cayman, I see that you've got an Indigenous film series coming up with Dream Wanderer in it. Um, are you a part of that film series besides uh, showing your film? Yes. So, we're, I'm, I'm actually working for the Duluth Superior Film Festival, and we're having um, an Indigenous film series once a month. It'll be online, so mm-hmm. you can um, you know, go on the thing. It's free, which is beautiful. And then after each um, short and each feature... We're going to have a Q&A hosted by me and we'll have guests come on and we'll talk about the film. We'll talk about like, you know, what the effects it is. And the first one is on do, 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 April 21st. And it's going to be the first one will be a film by Jonathan Thunder. It's Ma Mamwe. <laughs> and it's about five minutes long and it's beautiful. It's striking. It has like such mm-hmm. vivid colors that Jonathan usually uses in his work. And the second one will be The Body Remembers When the World Broke Open. Um, just mm-hmm. a trigger warning, it is. it does feature um, domestic violence and um, things like that. And after that, we'll be having a panel hosted with um, Jonathan Thunder and then a domestic violence advocate provider. And so that goes on then for a couple months? Yeah, and then we will be having... Um, our actual film festival in August, which we are, um, okay, you know, accepting submissions for, and I'm I'm very excited to be a part of a a team where we highlight and uphold Indigenous artists. Um, I think that's super great. That's really cool. Thanks. 
So, Cayman, how would you encourage the next generation of as- of aspiring filmmakers? I would say sometimes you just got to put thought into what you want to create and then just go out and do it. I think that's the hardest part. Um, you know, you have to believe in yourself and you have to just go out and create. Um, I think that's what kept me from filmmaking so long is I didn't have the belief in myself, um, which Jonathan helped, you know, find. And then I was scared because I was like, what if I make something and it's not the absolute best and everyone makes fun of it. And I did. And some people did make fun of it. And I was like, but I'm proud because I did spend time doing this. And um, it's 20 minutes. It's, you know, it's what I wanted to tell to the world. And from there, I just kind of got hooked. So just go out and do it and find people who encourage you, you know? Life is about making beautiful things and sometimes you just got to go out there and do it. I agree. Sometimes it's, it can be really hard to take that first step and be vulnerable mm-hmm. when it doesn't seem like, oh, it's not going to be perfect. But yeah, it really takes those first steps. So having an encouraging person, yeah. you know, like yourself saying these sorts of things is really helpful. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's not going to be perfect, but you, you learn. And that's kind of, one of my favorite people says, like, once you stop learning, you kind of die. And I, I, I took that kind of seriously because I'm like, what can I learn from this project? How can I better my art? And it's always a learning experience. And it's always, like you said, you got to put yourself out there and be vulnerable. So. so I was just curious, you know, if you had any other, you know, final thoughts or any other things you wanted to mention today with us. No, I'm just happy to be here with you both. I mean, I think this yeah. is awesome. Um, the fact that you two are creating things and as a family too, I think that's really beautiful. And the fact oh. that, um, you know, there's more indigenous artists that are like reaching out and making these connections and making these collaborations. We need that. We need um, a really strong network, especially if we're going to continue to tell authentic indigenous stories and lives and values. So this is this was really um, important to me, Miigwech. <laughs> oh, great. Well, Miigwech came in for taking time to talk with us. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, anytime. <laughs> yeah, stay in okay. touch for sure. Thanks. Right. I'll see you later. Bye. Yeah, you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. to keep collaborating yeah yeah that's really a a good reminder sometimes it can feel a little lonely but knowing you have other people who have your back Mm -hmm. uh, it makes the journey a little bit easier yeah and uh of course the godzilla stuff was gold so hopefully hopefully she continues wearing that godzilla cosplay and (sighs) She met Lee Pace. <laughs> I'm sorry. You got something with Lee Pace, don't you? <laughs> what wasn't he one of the elves? The elves in the he was uh, the Thranduil. He was uh, Legolas's dad. Yep. I just think he's so cool because he's so like stuck up. Oh yeah. You know he's just like this high elf yeah, that's like very mm-hmm, nose up in the air. I don't know. It's just funny to me. It's just so extra. Anyway. So thank you to Cayman Goodsky. Yes, thank you, Cayman. Cayman Goodsky is from the Boys Heart Band, 
and is a filmmaker living in Duluth. Love it. I'm Cole Primo. And I'm Leah Lem. Miigwech for listening. Gigawabamin. Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine, is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. If you want to hear more Native folks talking about their gifts and finding their purpose, search for Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine, wherever you find podcasts, and find all of Minnesota Native News' content at minnesotanativenews.org.